everybody. Welcome back to Holistic Finance. I am Ryan Burklow. And I'm Alex Collins. And on today's episode, it's the last episode in the series where we've been talking about intro to investing. And this might be probably the most important episode in the series because this is where most people struggle. And it's about the emotions that we have with money. Yeah. I mean, allowing emotions to dictate our investment decisions is, is where most people wind up fail failing in terms of investments. And it, it's the hardest one to identify where you've gone wrong. And Alex, you've got one of my favorite lines when it comes to this around like, we're the one industry that people, and you say better than me. So why don't you start us off? Sure. So we're the one industry in the world in which people routinely walk in our door and ask us what we've marked up 25 to 50% and say, I want to buy that. And at the same time, they also say, Hey, you've marked this down 10 to 50%. Can I sell that back to you? And when we state it that way, it sounds idiotic. Because why in the heck would somebody want to buy something that's been marked up and sell something that's been marked down? And yet, this is what happens with stocks and investments all the time. And it is normal and natural. So if you're doing that, A, don't beat yourself up on about it, but B, stop doing it. So we're going to give you three takeaways to, to help you not hopefully be as emotional in terms of allowing your emotions to dictate what, what's going on with your investments. And so the, the first one that we're going to go into here is being aware that you're allowing your emotions to actually help you either try to market time or even maybe predict what's going to happen in the future here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we'll give you kind of a a couple different takeaways on on how do we how do we identify these and how do we stop it? Yeah, the there's really two pieces, like in terms of examples, right? The 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 primary example that a lot of people in our industry share is when you know the, the market's crashing, right, and you decide to sell and go to cash. Sure, and and for the most part, the industry has done a fairly good job, and most younger people typically don't wind up doing this. They, they don't go all the way to cash. They will find some more conservative investment or find something that is going up or doing well. And so they'll, they'll move to that instead. Yeah. So this is where, you know, when we were talking offline here, Alex, this is, you brought up the primary example of, you know, if you had an aggressive portfolio, right, where you had mainly, you know, stocks in that portfolio, this is where all of a sudden you decide to maybe sell some of those stocks possibly, and maybe purchase more bonds or right to your point, you're buying something more conservative so that your money will stop losing, right? Correct. And like the reason why we're allowing the emotions to dictate our decisions in this situation is because we're fearful of what's been going on, right? And so, um, and, and this, this works both ways. We're, we're fearful of participating in a big down market and like the most dangerous words an investor can say is it's different this time. And that's true whether it's the upside or whether it's the downside. 
that there's a lot of history that repeats itself with the stock market. And really our goal with investing is to try to prevent speculation. We're trying to prevent predicting what's going to occur in the future and allow the markets to work for us. And that involves investing in broad stock market-based investments and making sure that we're not taking on more risk than we can stomach. And so if we, if we get to a point where we're uncomfortable with what we're investing in, then we may need to make a change, but let's make it an informed change as opposed to a knee-jerk reaction. A good question to ask yourself, right? So when you're going to make a change in your investments, before you make the change, ask yourself, is this emotional? Right? Are you? What's causing you to make this change? Right? And if it, if you can narrow it down where it's not emotional, then great. If you are narrowing it down where this is an emotional decision, then you need to take a step back and maybe talk and think about a couple of different things. Well, and, and ultimately, it's going to come down to, like, okay, when and how are we going to reverse this decision? If the answer is we're not going to, like, okay, cool. That's an example of knowing that we are invested too aggressively because of the volatility. And we now need to hold ourselves in check when the market does go back up, that we're not going to then jump back into something that's more aggressive. Because in that example, we will have ridden down the market to some extent that caused us to panic, sold out, waited for it to go back up, and then bought back in. And so essentially, we'll have sold low and bought high, which is exactly what we talked about just a minute ago and referenced as not the way to do it. Which takes us to number two, right? Because when you're getting back in, right, you're, you're now what we would call possibly looking at chasing return, right? Sure. So we're allowing now our, our emotions to maybe choose what investments we have, right? So Alex and I have spoken about this in the past in terms of, right, the last decade or so, the S&P 500, right, the 500 largest companies in the United States has been one of the best assets. Right, and allowing our emotions to dictate our decisions here might be something as simple as, oh, well, I don't want to invest internationally. I'm only going to invest domestically. And so we shift away from international markets and into, in your conversation there, the S&P 500. It, it could also be, well, I'm going to avoid uh, small cap investments or mid cap investments, smaller or medium sized companies. And I'm only going to invest in large companies because they've been doing exceedingly well. And again, this, this tears down our diversification and it prevents us from having an optimal portfolio from a risk return profile. Yeah, Alex and I, when, when we're working with clients, we'll, there is this calculator that we actually go through. It's a game where you get to choose if you had $100,000, what asset class would you put it in? And we actually use like the history. So we go back in time. So we're saying, look, you've got that back to the future almanac, right? You get, you know, what's about to happen. So where would you put your, your money in 2008? Where would you put your money in 2010? Where would you put your money in 2001? And even though we know what actually occurred, 
we, I mean, we, we did this live in front of like what a thousand advisors and we have one of the more experienced advisors go up to the mic. And even that experienced advisor still didn't predict, predict with a hundred percent certainty or accuracy what occurred. Sure. Well, I mean, they did well, but at the same time, like even with foreknowledge of what occurred and uh, a, a background in investing, they weren't able to predict the best category every time. And that's with knowing the history. Now look at it from the standpoint of when you don't, how do you know when the S&P 500 isn't going to be the best asset class? Well, I mean, the answer is we don't. <laughs> exactly. So this is that going back to allowing our emotions to, you know, we sit down and we go, man, my rate of return isn't going that well, but this, this one asset class is doing really well. Let's put some money over there and you change up your portfolio because you're quote unquote chasing return. Which takes us to number three. And I, this is probably the, the biggest, this is the overarching, I think, problem that, that is in everything because when you can't tie your emotions to what you believe, it's hard to stick to them. It's hard to stick to the plan. And this is, you don't have an investment philosophy. Yeah, you don't have that guide. You don't have a set of rules of how you're going to go about making these decisions. And therefore, the decisions wind up being made from an emotional standpoint because you feel like, hey, we need to make a change because of whatever is going on in the market. And more often than not, that is going to simply create extra transactions, create the possibility for additional losses. Uh, and and put ourselves in a position where we're, we're chasing returns and we're opening up additional variables and additional risks that we're, we weren't going to be taking with a, a, a balanced portfolio that we're simply rebalancing periodically. Yeah, this, you know, what this looks like is, you know, a simple philosophy could be, you know, Alex and I were talking about broad diversification, including international rights. So you've got if you've got a philosophy and that's an overly simplistic one, but that this, it kind of gets to what our point is here. If that's your philosophy, broad diversification, including international, where you're not concentrated in one specific asset class. If that's your true philosophy, then you hold steady when a particular asset class starts to do well, because you know that you can't predict when it's not going to do well. And when the next asset class is going to take over. Yeah. I mean, and, I mean, we think about this, this is not too different from like any of the fad diets. Like, yes, we're going to maybe see some initial results, but unless we have something that is repeatable and systematic and that we can stick to the vast majority of the fad diets wind up, you know, failing for people, uh, you know, simply because like, we're just going to quit doing that and we're on to whatever the next thing is. Um, Whereas we, we really need to go ahead and get back to the basics of moving more, eating less and eating more balanced for what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. The, the emotions are the hard part of investing it just simply. And it's not, it's not always like emotions where the, the world's, you know, feels like it's coming down, right. Where you have a crash. It's not always the crash that causes the emotions. It might be you logging into your account and seeing that, oh, so-and-so just said, I'm getting X rate of return or Billy Bob on that media show that I watch said, I should be doing this. 
and you take that knowledge and you change everything you were doing. Oh, or even just seeing your account or a component of your account shoot up in value and saying, oh, well, wow, I, I should move more dollars into that because it's doing really well. I mean, again, that breaks for, for most philosophies or most successful philosophies anyway, that's going to break the philosophy. We're no longer adhering to our guide, our rules, how we're going about systematically investing because it's reactionary to news. And because we don't know what the news of tomorrow is, we're going to be wrong. Just like the economists that have famously predicted nine out of the last five recessions. <laughs> so we're, we're hoping that, you know, the, the, the point of this episode is understanding your emotions, right? Like having a philosophy that kind of helps you keep your emotions in check where you can you can sit down and say, okay, I'm making this decision because of this philosophy that I have, rather than I'm making this decision because it feels good. Right. Which takes us to the question of the day, Alex. Our question today is what financial decisions have you made that were led by your emotions? So head over to holistic-finance.com. And at the bottom of that page, uh, you can either answer that question of the day, or if you have any other topics on your mind that you would like us to talk about, feel free to share that as well. Uh, We hope this episode was valuable for you. And as always, Mr. Collins, make it a great day. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or Quantified Financial Partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ333 North Indian Hill Boulevard, Claremont, California, 91711. Telephone 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities Network FINRA SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is affiliate subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, Air Insurance License Number 15319412, CA Insurance License Number 0K24924. Alexander Collins, AR Insurance License, number 7264699, CA Insurance License, number 0H24806, Pinpoint, or 2021, 123, 147, expiration June.